Hello, welcome to the Wine Isle, the official wine podcast of North Coast Co-op. My name is Kirsten, and I'm here with Jen and Taylor. Hello. And today we're going to talk about rosé. So up front, rosé is my favorite. I love rosé. I have to work hard not to bring in all the rosé, but we have a good selection that we're going to look at and talk about today um, and answer some questions as well. Um, So let's start out with um, the question I get asked the most, which is, I don't want any sweet rosé. Nowadays, I don't ever taste any sweet rosé. I mean, I'm sure back in the 70s when rosé first made an appearance um, on the American market, there was a lot of sweet rosé. But it's not here anymore. Do you recall, Jen, when we had sweet rosé? Well, there's a difference between sweet and fruity. Hmm. And I think that most people probably like uh, uh, somewhere in between, you know? Right. Because there is very, very, very dry rosé. Oh, right. Austere dry rosé. So it just, there's an entire gradient right. of rosé. So there's somebody out there for everybody. Yeah. But definitely, you know, the white zen is probably what they're talking about. And there's still a market for that. Right. That's true. There definitely is. Although anyone who makes rosé these days, I've noticed they practically avoid using Zinfandel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's very, I think mm-hmm. I've tasted one bottle once mm-hmm. with you in the past four years mm-hmm. that was Zinfandel, but almost everything is not. They're probably trying to separate themselves from They are, Zinfandel. right? Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure, white Zinfandel, it's, it is fruity. It is definitely a little bit of sweetness, and I think they let that sing through because yeah. they know who's looking for that. Yeah. Yeah. But um, the hallmark of rosé really, um, I think it's fair to say, is French rosé. Absolutely. Yeah, the French produce the most rosé. 30% of the rosé in the entire world is grown by the French. And uh, everybody produces rosé. Yes, now they do. Now they do. And everyone keeps saying rosé is having its moment, having its moment. I think it's been, people have been telling me that for 10 years now. Um, I think it's just kind of, it's here to stay. There are what was it? A couple of years ago, the phrase was coined, rosé all day. All rosé all day. Yep. Goes with everything food-wise. <laughs> right. It always is appropriate. There's no reason not to just, you know, if you're in a lurch, you're not sure where to go, go start with rosé. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so interesting because I always tell people if you're doing any kind of spicy food, it used to be like Thai or Asian food. You couldn't, the only thing you could pair with it was Riesling and not everybody wants to drink Riesling. But rosés for sure um and we have in front of us um 10 different bottles that i've brought up off the floor that are in both stores and it kind of shows you the range of what we have um and i think we're gonna delve into talking about them a little bit um several of them are ones that come from the various books that i buy from you and um i think it does give us a pretty good range Nice. Yeah, I'm seeing like Spanish, Italian, French. Sparkling. Here in California. California. Mm-hmm. Yep. We've got a couple locals in there as well. Um, before we jump into talking about each of these bottles, though, why don't we talk about how we make rosé? So you have what's called skin contact, which means. Traditional winemaking. Right. Yeah. You're just leaving the juice on the grapes a little bit longer, gives you darker color. Some rosés are going to be almost like a light red in terms of their color. Some are so pale, like that Montcrevet, um, in a clear bottle. 
that it, yeah. And the bandol rosé, they look palest, palest mm-hmm. salmon. They're barely even there. Sometimes they call them Von Gris because they have that gray pink. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a couple, there's a bottle I carry every once in a while that's a gris de gris, mm-hmm. which means gray of gray. Right. Um, but whereas this azul y garancha, garnacha rosé is... Um, Pretty pink. Pretty pink. Pretty pink orange there. And if I remember that one correctly, that's um, got some real serious strawberry and watermelon. Yeah. Very mouth-watering. And right next to it is the lechuza, which is one we just brought in recently. Another garnacha, rosada. Rosada is what the Spanish call it versus the Italians who call it rosato. Um, And then, of course, rosé is the French, which most people have just picked up on. Um, interesting thing about this Lechuza rosé is that it's from 2016, so it's officially six years old. Rosé can age. Yeah. It definitely can range, um, for sure. And that was a big rosé to begin with, so it wasn't like that was going to fall apart. I've had older Bandol rosés, and, you know, it's just a different way of appreciating it when it's had a little chance to mesh and mellow out. Yeah. Well, I was surprised this Lechuza, which is only $10 on the shelf. Yeah, it's a bargain. Still got great acid. Yeah, you know, good. it's still holding up really well. I was kind of shocked to find out it was a 2016 because um, I bought that one blind. I don't think I tasted it by the time we uh, brought that one in. But, yeah, generally, rosé, you're going to drink soon. You're going to drink it early. You want to drink it fresh. Um, and I know that, for instance, uh, so if we get into Sanye. Mm. I know that the Junot Ruban Champagne is Saunier. Oh, right. And sometimes you can tell that by color. And so the difference between Saunier is what they do is they bleed off red wine, straight up red wine, rather than crush whole fruit and pull it off the skins like traditional winemaking. They bleed off some red wine and then add it to the rosé. And it gives it more concentration, more depth, more volume, more voluptuous. So if you think rosé is Wimpton, you might like a Saunier rosé. And I know that that is Saunier because I have had two different bottlings of that wine. Mm-hmm. One was the super pale cre- salmon. Oh. And the next one was the totally Sanye. vibrant pink. So they oh. just, for whatever reason, maybe they got down to the bottom of what they were doing or they decided to give it, pump it up a little bit. Uh, that is a, a, something that you can do and you can manipulate with Sanye. You can press grapes, ferment it on the skin, and then you can put Add it straight into the wine. Mm-hmm. Straight on mm-hmm. juice, and not so just skin contact. People do both. Yeah. 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 Because the other... Um, Two other sparkling rosés we have. One is the Low Part, which is from Spain. Um, and that one's definitely not Saunier because it's a very, very light one. Um, you barely even taste the fruit in it. And then one of my best sellers is um, the Paloma Rosé, the sparkling one with the sparkly foil and the cut glass bottle. So pretty. It's so pretty. And actually, I would challenge you to taste it blind. You would almost not know it's a rosé because it is so dry. They have black tasting glasses, which would be fun to have because then you can't see the wine when you're tasting <laughs> oh, it. That's right? a good idea. Yeah, because there are definitely whites that could Real pass challenge. as rosé right? or rosés that could pound as light reds. Yeah. So, yeah, they do have black tasting glasses that you can't see through. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. I like that. I love that. Pizzolatto, like, I've actually noticed that one um, change color. Like, oh. there was um, mm-hmm. a batch that we got was that was lighter, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. the second batch that we got was a, a little, little bit A little darker. More. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Could be a different part of the tank. Who knows? Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. But sometimes they only leave rosé on the skins for two hours. 
and then yank it. Hmm. You know, it's all or you know, for days, the skin contact would be days. So wherever people are going. Yeah, it can be really different. And then um, the lemonade that we have, which is from Dave Vineyards out of Oregon. Now, that's a really interesting one because it is skin contact Pinot Noir, but also Pinot Gris um, and... Oh, I'm forgetting. Is it on the back of the bottle? No. 100% Pinot. 100% Pinot. 100% Pinot. Okay, then I must be thinking of something else. Um, And the interesting thing is you would think Pinot Noir would produce nice rosés. It just doesn't always. Not always. It's not usually my favorite, but every once in a while one stinks up on me and I love it. And I think that is when they really did capture it quick, fresh, bright, and... uh, I've had Merlot rosé that's delicious mm. that you would think was Provençal. Oh, wow. So some people, if you have a delicate touch and you, you do pick rosé a lot earlier than you would for a red wine, you mm. want to capture all that vibrant acidity mm. and fresh fruit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, generally the most successful rosés are grapes that are grown expressly for rosé and right. not an afterthought. Right, yeah. right. Um, well, let's look at France because France is, you know, the... We'll call it the forefront of making rosé, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's where some of the most expensive rosé comes from, um, which is Bandol. Bandol mm-hmm. rosé. Uh, it's made with um, Mouvedre, um, Grenache, Syrah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes Cinso. Yep, so, right. Cinso, I think this one does. I have one that's a new one on the shelf called Le Galata. Um, Bandol is down in Provence. It's way south. Um, and the Mouvedre does not produce a lot of juice, which is part of the reason why Bandol rosés can be expensive. Um, and they just have, I'm in love with them. Me too. They're just so different. Um, it's crispness, but they have a, a full bodiness to them that's really um, amazing. And uh, that's part of why I love the low part, the sparkler, because it's made with Mouvedre Monastral in, in Spain. It has hints of licorice, which I really love. Not everybody does, but um, they really can. Um, and then we have what's called the Provençal Rosé, which is uh, Domaine Houchard. Um, and typical grapes on that are Grenache, Cinso, Mouved, usually in that order in terms of the majority of each grape. Um, light crisp, refreshing. What else would you use to describe that? It does have to, even though it's light and crisp, it has this most, the most beautiful fruity weight, like this silky Mm. weight that happens that only the French, they just have it mastered. You know, it's a mouthful. Mm -hmm. It's a fruity, delicious mouthful. Yeah. It's just so giving um, mineral, all of the things that go around it. You can almost taste the almond trees and the thyme and the forest. They're just beautiful. The sea spray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, which reminds me of, um, I brought one in that's from Sicily off of Mount Etna. And specifically without tasting it because I knew it was going to have that volcanic soil. So minerality, salinity, salty, salty yeah. fruit. I right. mean, it's mm-hmm. so interesting. Yeah. And you're like, how is this possible? But wow. Mm-hmm. Definitely there. Yeah. Terroir. Yep. Super fun. It does. It makes such a huge difference. So here's an interesting question. Is orange wine rosé? What do you think? No, because it's orange wine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Orange wine is made from white varietals, typically. Mm. Oh, right. right. It's just an extended skin contact 
with orange variety, uh, white varietals. Usually Pinot Gris, right? Uh, all sorts of things. You okay. know, um, it sort of generally is an old school thing. It's historic. I mean, they've been doing it in the, the nation of Georgia for thousands of years. And it sort of started out a way because if you leave the, the, the wine on contact with the skin, then it gets the phenols, it gets the tannins, mm. it gets the pigments, and it lasts. It ages. It will right. hold up. Oh, mm-hmm. it will store well. Right. So it's a very practical thing. Okay, right. Is the way sort of the the genesis of it, and then it fell out of favor, um, kind of in the fifties. But they've continued to make it northern Italy, definitely oh, Georgia, right. Slovenia, right. Friuli. That's right, Friuli. Because mm-hmm. the first time I tasted Pinot Gris that I actually liked, it was from Friuli, and it was amber colored. Yes, and I was shocked. Yeah, I was like, "What is this?" <laughs> Yeah, and Pinot Gris has like, a strong skin. It will yeah. make wine. You have to grab that quickly. It will make the wine pink. Sometimes it turns out real bright pink, and then sometimes it gets that amber color, and it can be different from the same vineyard from year to year, oh, just wow. what it decides to do. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Mother Nature. Skin That's fermented it. white wines. <laughs> gotcha. More soon. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break and get a word from our sponsors. The Wine Isle is the official wine cast of North Coast Co-op, your local, member-owned grocery co-op, where everyone is welcome. And we're back. I'm here with Taylor. Hello. And Jen. Hello. And I'm Kirsten. And we're back on the Wine Isle talking about rosé. So during the break, we were talking a little bit about orange wine and how this has definitely been seeing a resurgence. I think it was a couple years ago that somebody came up to me and said, do you have any orange wine? And I was really embarrassed and drew a complete blank. And I probably asked you, Jen, and I said, what is orange wine? So um, it is making a comeback. We do have two bottles on the shelf right now. Um, One is called Envelope. And, in fact, they're both made by the same producers out of Long Island, New York. Right? Yeah. So cool. Right. The white, as it calls itself, which is an orange wine, is from 2014. Yeah. Yep. 2014. Going strong. And it is um, Chardonnay, Pinot Gris, and Muscat. Um, And, yeah, bronze-colored, black tea, um, what other really aromatic, very like the, aromatic, especially with that Moscat, just yeah. beautiful floral spice that right. has just had time to unfold. That wine is going strong. It is. It's delicious. And it's eight years old, right? which it's is delicious. kind of amazing. There are red wines that don't hold up that well. It kind of tells you how good the winemakers are. Um, they know what they're doing. And the other orange wine that I brought in first is called Romato. And that is it's 100% Pinot Gris, Correct. right? Yeah, yes. Pinot Grigio, they call Pinot it. Pinot Grigio, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, and Romato is the word, the Italian word for the style of orange wine made with Pinot Grigio. Um, and that one's not quite as old. I'm thinking it's an That 18. would be a 20, I think. Is it believe. a 20? Yeah, and the 21 yeah, just got released. Okay. Uh, a lot more apricot with that, Daddy. Oh, that's and right. 100% that beautiful black tea. Yes. That yes. I just fall for. The, the tannins of yeah. a black tea. Right, mm-hmm. which is amazing coming from Pinot Gris. You wouldn't mm-hmm. think it's going to have those kind mm-hmm. of tannins, but it does. Mm-hmm. 
They say the ultimate food pairing for those are oily fishes. So super hip natural wine bars would have, you know, sardines and mackerel, also um, escargot. Oh, yum. Rich, oily things. And the tannins. salmon. The wine cuts right through them. And they're not a wimpy white wine, you know. They're a bold wine. Right, right. Definitely. Um, I'm wondering how that's going to stand up to like Asian sauces or... um, like coconut curries. I could see coconut, yeah. absolutely, as yeah. long as it wasn't too fiery. Right, I right. I think it'd be right there. Yeah, as long as you're not like putting in multiple mm-hmm. bird's eye chilies, you're mm-hmm. just putting in maybe one <laughs> and pulling it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, well, and pairings of rosé in general, as I mentioned early on, um, I think when people are talking to me about um, whether it's curry or Indian food or Mexican, you know, I think rosé is an easy choice um, just because the fruit counters um, the spiciness. Um, but that's not necessarily where the French are going. So just think of some other... Yeah, I think it's just not fussy. When in doubt, serve rosé, and that's why it's mm. so popular. Mm. It's just not fussy. Yeah. You know, there's a rosé style out there for everything. You know, right. I've often said, this is a burger rosé. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. true. Like the Pleiade mm-hmm. Sangiovese rosé. Right. I mean, that is a heavy looking rosé. I had a Barbera rosé that is now, can't get it for the moment, um, which was definitely a heavy looking. It almost looked like a light Pinot Noir. Um, so those can go with, definitely with meats if you want to go with meat. Um, it's not just a porch pounder. Right. Even though we do love doing that. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which brings me around to another topic I wanted to bring up, which is kind of um, something that's been on my mind is um, we all like to not pay a lot of money for rosé because it is a porch pounder, right? And so sometimes it feels, um, I don't know if frivolous is the right word, but um, luxurious to buy uh, rosé that's above $20. And for sure, the Bandol rosé that I brought in is only $20. Um, but there is another Bandol out there that's kind of, I don't know what word to call it, but it's definitely well-known. Infamous. Infamous, probably. Domaine Tempier Bandol rosé. It's $56 on the shelf. And I finally treated myself to a bottle to see if it was really worth the hype. And unfortunately, it broke my heart. Yeah. Because I'm in love with it. Yeah. <laughs> and they say it's age worthy. So is it worth that price is is the question. Um, and is it just a perception of rosé is quick and fast and so you shouldn't be paying a lot of money for it? Um, I don't know. What do you think? I guess the question... Drink less, drink better. Right? I suppose there's that question. Um, I've told you all in the past that there's a wine um, podcast I listen to called Wine Blast. And they have this wonderful feature on it called Speak Pipe. And you literally click on it and you can leave a voice message for them. Yep. And they sent me a voice message back. But I asked them, what would you pay silly money for? What specific bottle would you be willing to pay crazy money for because you love it so much? Because I told them about my love of the Tempier Bendal. And they 
sent me a message back and said they're going to put it out on Twitter and oh, cool. see what people say because right. that's what they do. They do Twitter surveys. Right. And I'm really interested to see what they like um, because they're British and it's really interesting. Very clearly, Britain is totally infatuated with Spanish and French wine. Not as much Italy, but Spanish and French, probably because of the historical connection with them. Um, but they they spend a lot of money on it. Apparently, outside of France, Britain spends the most money on champagne, champagne. of any country yeah. in the world. Yeah. And they're not very big. Right. So I was kind of surprised about that. My but company took a poll from the staff. One of the suppliers asked us, if costs were no object, what would you be drinking? And it was, they were, they cracked up because it was 99%. We all said grower champagne. Really? Yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah. So once you get spoiled, you know, it's no going back. It's hard. <laughs> I know. <laughs> She's giving me that look like, yeah. 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 And Rosé would be the same way because it is just so beautiful. And it's such an honest lovely expression you can't really cheat with rosé you can't add oak chips or grape tannin or you know you can't fudge it it's just so honest it's so stripped down and it's such an honest expression of the the vineyard and the winemaker wow it's just i never thought about it that such way a simple pleasure so yeah yeah hmm wow yeah okay Food for thought there. Mm -hmm. Strip down, honest. That's what I'll tell myself when I'm paying $56 yeah. a bottle. <laughs> Treat yourself. I know. Although, <laughs> let me tell you, this is what I really want to tell people is that you should never be paying full price. You should definitely be buying your wine six bottles or 12 bottles at a time because discount. then you get the discount from us, yeah. whether it's 10 or 15 percent. And of course, the co-op has all these other discounts that you can add on. Um, be smart. Yeah. You know. Uh, there's a gentleman who shops and he loves to come in and talk to me and see what I have. And he has a wine allowance for the month and he uses it wisely and he calculates it knowing that he's going to buy six or 12. He usually buys 12. Um, he's definitely a collector and he likes bargains and he likes French and he likes American, but he's very savvy about buying wine. And I really encourage everybody to do that because there's no point in paying more when you can pay less. And it's as simple as the Lechuza Rosé. I also have the Lechuza Garnacha, $10 a bottle. You buy it one bottle at a time, six bottles is going to cost you $60. You buy six bottles at a time, six bottles will cost you $40. You will save $20, people. Yeah. Buy you know? five Lechuzas and one Tempier. There you go. You know, <laughs> you know? absolutely. <laughs> That's the way I there. do it. I mm -hmm. buy, you know, the lower end stuff and I throw in a couple of higher end and... You have the fun stuff. Uh, you have the champagne. We just sold our last bottle of Haddingley Val Valley Sparkling, yeah, which is considered the best sparkler in England, um, coming from the Dover Cliffs out there. And we're not. It's not going to show up. It's just been hard to get anything exported from Britain yeah. with Brexit and the pandemic. It's been a real cluster. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and um, in another episode, we will be talking about how the pandemic has affected wine. Um, in fact, that might be the next one coming up. But, um, you know, if you like something, grab it, man, because it may not be here tomorrow. Yeah. And somebody else might have the same thought and then it's gone, yeah. um, which is kind of the fun thing about wine. You know, it's, um, it's always moving. It's moving. It's kind of a gamble. And like we talked about in previous um, episodes, if you like a vintage, grab it. 
because it's not always going to taste the same. I feel like we should mention local rosés because sure. we. Oh, I yeah, only yeah, brought yeah. one uh, mainly because I pare down rosés during the winter time. Even though there are plenty of people who drink it all year, right. um, I really start. Um, increasing the rosé about March or April. And hopefully they're selling out of the rosé every right, year. Right, You know, yeah. about, about now. Right. You're, you're, I'm really waiting for be... a lot of people to bottle whites and rosés right, right now. Right, um, And I'm trying to think, so the rosés we've had locally, um, Trinity River makes theirs out of San Giovese. Frog Alley makes theirs out of Pinot Noir. Um, so does Fieldbrook. Fieldbrook's been doing a Pinot Noir. Um, I've carried Hartleap. Heartsleep, and he does his from a Grenache, which is really lovely. I know Will Franklin used to join me at Libation for copious amounts of this. The Montgrevet, and back right? then they were making it. I think it was Senso. It is Senso. It was a little, and it was definitely what he was shooting for. Oh, He's like, this is what this I is want. what he wanted. This is what I love. Right, we drank a lot of that. And the interesting thing about the Montgrevet, great price. It's only nine dollars on the shelf. Um, it says south of France, so it's not Provençal, but it's just because it's outside of that particular region. Um, I think they're in the Languedoc. Yeah, mm-hmm. but very similar. Mm-hmm. Very similar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great minerality. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a. A local person who owns a local cafe, and he loves French wine, and um, his tastes tend to be very pricey. He loves that bottle. I won't mention him by name. People will figure that out if they know. If they know. Yep. Um, But, yeah, great bottle of wine. Uh, The other one I wanted to plug, I mean, I love all of these. I do. I do, too. I really do. Um, it's hard to choose. The Lemonade's new one on the block, um, and she is an amazing winemaker. Natural wine, no sulfites, no added yeast. Um, talk about really respecting the terroir and the grapes. She just gets out of the way. And she calls it Lemonade. The past two years, they had terrible wildfires in her area, so they had to pick the grapes immediately and press them and get them off the skin. So it was like, well, when white life gives you smoke, make lemonade. So, you know, And it was <laughs> ah, very like successful. It was released early, and it was a smart business move. Oh, yeah. Very yeah. nice. And super delicious. Um, just fresh and vibrant and mouth-watering, makes you want to keep drinking I really love that wine. She's uh, one I featured because I also brought in um, her Syrah Vignet co-fermentation, which is amazing as well. So anything by day vineyards, I highly recommend checking out. Scrappy little day. Yeah. Well, I think that's all we have time for today. I want to thank you all for joining us. And... um, Please check out our show notes. We'll be mentioning um, all of these bottles of rosés that we have mentioned here. And if you're interested in the wines, um, come visit our wine departments at either stores. We're at 811 I Street in Arcata and 25 4th Street in Eureka. I want to thank Taylor and Jen for joining us. And we'll see you on the aisle.